Well, a little bit later in the morning, we're going to talk about a, a surprise success story in Australian business. Akubras are in boom. Akubras, it's boom time for Akubras. Not entirely sure why. If you've bought one recently, we want to hear from you. Or if you're, uh, you've always been a long-time enthusiast and suddenly it's on trend, uh, we'd like you to call us as well. 8223 or text us on 0408081395. But the business is going absolutely gangbusters. They cannot keep up with demand at the moment. And it's largely domestic. It's Australian. It's not as though that mm. Crocodile Dundee just got released in China and suddenly they've you know become popular. They get good publicity from our Prime Ministers, Akubras. Good point. Because Albo's an Akubra wearer. He's an enthusiast. John Howard used to wear an Akubra. And I remember, I can't remember who it was, but someone once said that he looked like a roofing nail. Because <laughs> he used to wear that one with a really wide brim and the little flat central bit. Sort of Prime Minister uniform for visiting natural disaster too, isn't it? We've had a bit of flood action recently, so there's been lots of... MPs in Akubras around the place. Yeah, well, that's right. If you're out, if you're out in the floods, you need one. Vincent McAvin is our man in the UK. You, I'm guessing you don't have an Akubra at home, Vincent. I mean, I've just had to Google image search it because I wasn't quite uh, sure what it was. But they look, they look pretty good. <laughs> sort of quintessential Australian regional fare, the Akubra. You need, if you want to get fully kitted out as an Aussie, Vincent, you need an Akubra hat and you need a pair of. What we know colloquially here is RMs, RM Williams boots, which are like those sort of <laughs> leather cowboy boots. They're actually invented right here up the road in Percy Street Prospect by RM Williams. Okay, all right. Well, I'll give the, I'll give the producer team my address. And make them <laughs> my next hit. And, uh... I'll cost you about two hundred pounds. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> So you can save up. Um, you've got a big event coming up in your neck of the woods, though, of course, uh, later this year, Vincent, with 6th of May. It's uh, getting very close to the King's coronation. What do we know about the event uh, as of the 24th of January? Yeah, we got a raft of details over the weekend. And what we have learned is interesting. What we haven't learned is, is also interesting. So it's been 74 years uh, that Prince Charles has been waiting for the coronation. He actually attended his mother's own coronation. He was the first royal child to attend one ever uh, 70 years ago. So he got a little glimpse into his own future. Uh, And he's decided to stick with some things, but also change things up. So the coronation ceremony will take place on Saturday, the 6th of May. Uh, He will process with uh, Camilla, the Queen Consort, uh, to Westminster Abbey, where coronations have been taking place for almost a thousand years. Uh, and some of the rituals taking uh, that comprise the program uh, date back hundreds and hundreds of years. But it is going to be a much shorter service than his mother's, who was it was a three-hour uh, spectacular. There were some 8,000 people packed into the Abbey, and it was, of course, broadcast around the world. We think there will be less people, but a definitely more diverse group of people in the Abbey. It's going to be uh, shorter as well. We think maybe about 90 minutes or so. Uh, and then along with members of the royal family, they'll process back to Buckingham Palace for, of course, a uh, balcony shot. Uh, And I think the members that are included in that procession back and on the balcony are going to give the clearest indication yet of the direction of the monarchy, this plan that Charles has had for a long time, this glimmed down monarchy with only the sort of key working royals there. Um, Then on Sunday, the 7th of May, in a sort of uh, more informal day and and completely new, there will be a Windsor Castle uh, televised concert there's going to be sort of global music acts, dancers, a world-class orchestra, and it'll be presented by, we're told, stars of stage and screen. And there'll also be something called a coronation choir. So they're going to take singers from diverse choirs across the country, uh, an LGBT choir, a refugee choir, an NHS choir, 
and then choirs across the Commonwealth as well and combine them uh, to perform uh, a special song at that, uh, that event. And there will also be uh, lighting up of uh, national monuments as well and, and drone shows. And then on the Monday, which is quite unusual, uh, it's a completely new idea. It does very much ring of Prince, uh, or sorry, King Charles. It's being called uh, the Big Help Out. Um, so that's a bank holiday, but uh, the royal family will out be doing volunteer work. And they're encouraging people who might not have tried volunteering before to give it a go themselves in their own community. Charities and organizations are going to work to sort of have sort of taster sessions that people can do that day. And it's in the hope that it'll be uh, creating a lasting legacy from the coronation weekend. So quite an interesting, diverse uh, program. What we don't know, though, of course, is whether or not uh, Prince Harry and his wife and family will be attending uh, and also potentially what uh, will happen with Prince Andrew. Now, for Andrew, there's been a raft of stories over the weekend of him potentially now having inherited a bit of money from his mother uh, and given uh, Virginia Dufresne's uh, sort of dropping of a case against the American lawyer Alan Dershowitz, whether Prince Andrew, it seems, feels a little bit emboldened to maybe try and go after her. He's being advised strongly not to, uh, but he is, we were told, still desperate to try and make it back into the working royal fold. I think that is highly unlikely, and I think he'll have a very small uh, appearance at his brother's coronation but won't be on the balcony. But when it comes to the successes, uh, you know, there are some who hope that maybe now... Uh, that uh, everything that's gone on, this might expedite some kind of reconciliation between a father and son and, and family, uh, because the world is going to be watching. There are still a good number of weeks until this uh, this event. Uh, and he is, after all, about to, or now, the head of the Anglican Church, a church which preaches a message of uh, forgiveness. So people will be watching to see, uh, you know, whether or not we do get in the next few weeks a kind of more details on which royal family members are going to be doing what, because I think that's going to tell us a lot about the direction of the monarchy. There's been a heap of coverage in Australia over the last month, obviously, Vincent, as there has worldwide, about Harry's book. Have you had a chance to, to, to read it yet? Because I think you've always been really even-handed with your assessment of him, You're certainly not in the Jeremy Clarkson camp, and uh, to, your, no. to your eternal credit, but... Have you have you had a chance to sit down and read it? And so, yeah. what did you think of it? Yeah, I have. I actually, um, well, I when he, I saw that he was going to read it himself, I just thought it's sort of quite a fascinating opportunity to hear something that we've never heard in, in sort of British royal history. A, a royal who just sort of sits down themselves and tells people in their own words of you know the account of their life. So I have listened to the book. Uh, it is a fascinating read. It has to be said. He obviously had a ghostwriter who is a, a very you know, Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist and author. He wrote the book that then became the movie The Tender Bar. Uh, it's incredibly well written. Um, it is a fascinating journey. There are things that really strike out through it. I mean, there's some detail that simply maybe is colourful, but a bit unnecessary. I didn't, know, I didn't need to quite know so much about his todger. Um, but he, um, he, does, he does give a good account of, it, of his life. And, and the thing that rings, I think, through, which is... What I've heard before is that, you know, this is someone who very much is scarred by the death of his mother and haunted by it. I think he believes that she was, in effect, murdered by the press, that they've never been brought to justice for it. Uh, and it seems that the family really dropped the ball by never in the years between 1997 and, you know, 2020 when he left. He never seems to have gotten any professional help and support yeah, in place. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, very quickly, you know, Prince Charles, Harry says, you know, he is, he's, he's pretty loving when it comes to his father. I'd say he's more brutal, actually, when it comes to William for ignoring him for a long mm. time and keeping him at bay. But when it, when it comes to Charles, you know, he says he was sort of, you know, 
not the, the the way that he was raised, you know, meant that he wasn't sort of ready to be a, a modern parent and even less so a modern single parent. Um, and so I think part of the problem of what's all happened is when you do read the book, and of course it is his account, but some other things that we know of the time period and what was going on, it does feel a bit like he's kind of just been left on his own a lot mm. and hasn't been given the support and, and help that he needs. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Vincent, yeah. thank you. Uh, always great to catch up with you. I really appreciate your insights as always, and we'll chat again next week. Vincent McAvinney, a man in the UK. David Pemberthy and Will Goodings, 6 to 9, 5AA Breakfast.